a time of fear and suspicion. You choose to admit your crimes before man and God? His coming was foretold. Now, he is here. You know the signs. You are bewitched. As the face of an angel. Channel me a spirit. The charm of the devil. Hear me when I say he's evil. Evil absolute. And the powers of a god. <laughs> Satan also has one son. have laid eyes upon the new messiah now an enemy from his past who appointed you executioner and a girl from the present you know what he's capable of next time he's gonna kill me i'll not let him harm you are the only hope for the future <laughs> this is the terrifying adventure that could set the world on fire. Warlock. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Cinemarcade. This is the podcast about movies, video games, and the sparks that fly when those two worlds collide. This is our third week of our all-horror movie month, the, uh, appropriately enough, in October. I think we're the first people to think of doing that. I think we are the first Pretty people. Pretty sure. Like, mm-hmm. we're watching horror movies in the month of October. It's kind of perfect Innovation. synergy if you think about it. Innovation. Innovation. Yeah. Um, and today we're watching a movie uh, that maybe some of you don't haven't heard of before. A movie called Warlock from 1988, 1989, 1991. All of, of all the above. All those years. You can find all of them on that. Curse, uh, so he will not be able to join us today. Luckily, we were able to summon a familiar uh, in his name, in his place. Uh, who's joining us today? Hi, I'm Christian Lewis, and I'll be joining y'all today. Well, we Just appreciate be you being here. Uh, thank you so much, and we we wish Justin a speedy recovery and many limp biscuit references <laughs> in the future to come. I almost bought what him a we, shirt. What are we gonna do without all the like? Um, aughts, uh, alt rock references. I know, I know. I'm, I feel like I'm not learning anything about Disturbed right now. Yeah, <laughs> so that's a real problem. But uh, hopefully Christian can fill that void. Do you? How much do you know about Limp Bizkit? Uh, n- not enough. Okay, fair. <laughs> Could not fill that void. Oh well, uh, we're very excited to be here talking about Warlock, a, a very strange and interesting kind of failed horror franchise. In Is a way. it horror? That's the thing. Like, I would argue that this first movie is kind of like a supernatural adventure film, but uh, it, it 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 gets labeled under horror. Um, not to, so. I should, I'll let you introduce, and then I'll I'll do my commentary. Yeah. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, let's learn a little tiny bit about this movie. Um, it was released January 11th, 1991. It was directed by Steve Miner and written by David Twoey. And it stars Julian Sands, Richard E. Grant, Laurie Singer, Mary Wolinov, and Rob Paulson. Now, first things first, I think the thing we need to talk about with relating to this movie is that if you know the name Julian Sands, uh, if that's been coming up for you in your news feed lately, it's sadly it's because we lost him this year. Uh, under some pretty tragic circumstances. So a little bit about Sands. He was a classically trained British actor. He had his big breakout in the 1985 Merchant Ivory film, A Room with a View, a very stately, classy, reserved kind of uh, romance. Um, And this led to a string of roles in movies like The Killing Fields, Arachnophobia, Boxing Helena. He's in Ocean's 13. He's in in the Fincher uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Um, He was also an avid mountain climber and hiker in his free time, and unfortunately, he was out hiking in the San Gabriel Mountains in California this January when they got struck by some record flooding. Uh, He disappeared. It led to a months-long manhunt, and they finally, unfortunately, found his remains in June of this year. So uh, it's very sad. Uh, Julian Sands died at 65 in kind of a horrible way. It's like a horrible, it's a horrible reason to have to keep seeing somebody's name in a headline. Mm-hmm. Um, you ever been to the San Gabriel Mo- Mountains? Yeah, I mean, I, I live in the San Gabriel Mountains. So yeah, it's, it's I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's, there's, 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 there's a lot of mountain up there. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I know a lot of, you know, people are really passionate about it. Um, but yeah, it's. That it goes to show. I mean, he was an experienced like mountain climber. Like he he'd done a lot of it. And uh, flash yeah. floods are so dangerous. Like, they are. I don't know. I've uh, I haven't been to one out hiking, but I've definitely been out in flash floods while driving. Yeah. And you're like, mm, oh, oh fuck, I need to get the fuck out of here. It happens scary fast yeah. too. Like you you think you're gonna have time to prepare for it, and you really don't. So uh, R.I.P. to Julian Sands, an actor I've always enjoyed, and I think. These movies were kind of an attempt to give him like a star vehicle, you know, like they were really hoping these would take off. Um, This movie was directed by Steve Miner, who's kind of like one of those guys, you know, he's just like a journeyman sort of director who shows up and does a decent job and moves on. But he had a little heat at this time because he directed a couple of the Friday the 13th movies, some of the better ones, I would argue, two and three. Um, And he was also a producer on the show The Wonder Years. So he had a little bit of swing right around this time. Uh, the script was an early work by David Twohey, a uh, name I never really quite knew how to pronounce, but he would become very in demand a couple years after this because he wrote The Fugitive, which oh. is a movie I rewatched recently, and that movie slaps. It is so good. Uh, really holds up. Um, he's also created all of the uh, Riddick movies with Vin Diesel, so we'll I be talking about those, love too. love Chronicle. No, is it Chronicles of Riddick or the Pitch Black? Pitch Black is Pitch the Black, one. the yeah. first one. The first one was so good. It's really fun. And there's, there, honestly, like the video game version they made of the, the Riddick-verse is yeah. the best thing associated with that entire franchise. It is so good. Like, legitimately Ooh, a great that's game. A, that's, a, that's a bold claim, because I believe that Pitch Black is like a solid, solid totally movie. Totally solid really fun movie but yeah Escape from Butcher Bay on the Xbox is unbelievable uh, uh, was there a fugitive game there never was no that seems like it would be a slam dunk right but I guess that 
that the fugitive was always pitched as kind of like a movie more for grown-ups i guess you know it was the the counter programming to your jurassic parks and your stuff like that from that summer so i guess it would make sense but also we just played the bram stoker's dracula game so they didn't really have, <laughs> they didn't have a rhyme or reason maybe they weren't really gauging maybe that. because it was based on a real story they couldn't get the life right oh right yeah oh yeah that's right we can't really do true crime video games although that's probably around the corner oh, right oh i don't know true crime video games oh that could it's a slippery slope yeah i would say give me a fake crime video game like mm-hmm. do a, do a true crime patois but with fake people like i don't want to actually be looking into real things uh so yeah minor and twohe they originally wanted uh, julian sands to come in and play the character of red fern who's the hero but because uh, he at that time he was best known as more of like a romantic leading man type but uh, they enjoyed his campy take on the villain and they gave him the role of the warlock instead and then Richard E. Grant came in and took on the Red Fern Pearl I love Richard E. Grant this is you pointed out this is the second time we've yes. played uh, a Richard E. Grant video game after Dracula um, although it's not very clear if that's who that character is in this game right I don't know that that's I don't think it's the game no I don't I think, think it's just supposed to be, supposed to be a new guy right yeah um, but yeah, Richard E. Grant was hot off of a movie called With Noel and I. Did you ever see that? No, one? I didn't. Oh man, see, I, you, you lived in uh, the UK for so long. That was a big cult film over there. With um, uh, yeah, it was, it was Grant and Paul McGann, who would be a future Doctor Who, and uh, they're just like two drunks having conversations in the woods, and it's great. I did read about this though, because um, this uh, this actor Grant, uh, he can't drink alcohol because mm-hmm. he doesn't have the enzyme to. Uh, digest it oh, wow. uh, and the director of that movie made him and it, he becomes violently ill for 24 hours after he drinks alcohol uh, but the director for that film and a classic example of a director overstepping his bounds made him drink a half a bottle of vodka and an entire bottle of champagne that so he would know what it was like horrible yeah. that's a horrible thing to do yeah they drink so much in that movie <laughs> like that's that's a horrible uh, role to take on if you have that affliction that's awful um, the female lead here in this movie is Laurie Singer. You might best know her as the, excuse me, as the uh, lead from Footloose, opposite Kevin Bacon. So uh, that's that's the kind of only other place I've seen her before. Uh, but this movie was completed back in 1988. It was said to be released through Roger Corman's New World Pictures, but the studio ran into financial difficulties. They wound up shelving this for three whole years. It was picked up by an independent studio called Trimark, uh, which gave it a small theatrical release. And it was not a hit in theaters. It kind of buried it in early January. It didn't really market it very well. But this was kind of a secret cult hit on VHS. Like, people found it on the blockbuster shelves. And the VHS grosses were enough to fund a sequel, which was 1993's Warlock Armageddon. Uh, Sands returns for the title role, but nothing else comes back they basically just hard reset they're like all right we like this character we like nothing else let's just try again and i i watched uh, the sequel as well just because i had some free time i'd never seen it before and uh pretty fun pretty gory um and it it also is definitely aiming to be more of an actual like bona fide horror film than this one the first one probably came across uh this was this one he's actually like a freddy krueger type and he's jumping around from town to town like He's killing people that he doesn't need to kill just to like. I would it. argue he does that in this movie. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I mean, like, not, I mean, not in like in a scary homicidal, I just kill for fun. Like, personally, I felt like he was, I had a hard time feeling like. It's like, I like your ring. Let me murder you. Like, mm. <laughs> well, he, 
Well, he chopped off his finger first, and then the guy had a problem with it. I think if he was just cool and just would have laid there, I think he would have left. Just roll with it and just be like, hey, this, guess what? Enjoy okay, those fingers. I, I don't know. I, so I think this is – so uh, are you finished, Steve? Oh, or? a little more. I'll just okay. say that like Armageddon was not a hit, and so it kind of killed the franchise. There was one more movie called Warlock 3, The End of Innocence. It went straight to video in 1999. Julian Sands did not come back for that one. And that just stopped the franchise in its tracks. There's been no reboots. There's been no anything. Um, and the one other thing that I think uh, is kind of fascinating about this movie's legacy is that it seems to have inspired a real-life murder. Oh. Uh, this is in 1995 in Canada. There was a 14-year-old boy named Sandy Charles who had some undiagnosed uh, mental health issues. And he was reportedly obsessed with this film and heard voices that told him he needed to perform some of the rituals from this movie. And so he and an eight-year-old accomplice murdered a seven-year-old boy. Um, the accomplice was uh, uh, released for being so young, uh, not really knowing what they were doing. And uh, Sandy Charles was sent to an insane asylum for the rest of his life. He's still in one. Uh, but that case actually inspired Canada to start implementing V-chip controls in their TVs. I don't know if you guys remember V-chips, but Mm-mm. like... They used to put them in TVs as kind of sensors, like parents could have the passcode. It's like early passcode technology, basically. Yeah. Like you could put, you, you put them in your TV and then you can control what your kids watch. I think that was kind of the reason that became more widespread in Canada was because of that case. It's a messed up case. Obviously, it's not the movie's fault, you know, but it's... Uh, it's really uh, interesting. It's I haven't heard about that case before. Yeah. Um, it's always so tragic when like people are so young that they don't understand what's going on. Uh, but then they have lifelong conssequences yeah uh, I had to throw that out there just to bring everything way down yeah bounce back from that one yes uh, uh, okay uh, <laughs> well it wasn't the movie I'll say that <laughs> I don't think it was the, uh, the movie was much uh so the first of all I feel like uh I feel like Julian Sands mentioned like when he got the script that uh, he really considered this more a dark comedy than uh, a horror film and I can see it and I'm definitely there's so many comedic elements to this uh like right off the top there's so much homoeroticism in this yes it's just like they're smoldering the screen down de- they're burning the screen down yeah uh with homoeroticism uh and it's just like it's so there's uh starting at the top like um i don't know the the very like uh thumb and toe uh, oh, the th- the restraint system. What are those, so what are those called? Thumb screws bent yeah. over the entire time. Yeah, uh, like um, little sketch, little sketch. That's the first time you see the warlock. Is back in 1691, and he is bound with this torture equipment and like bent over, like touching his toes with his face. Like it looks in- incredibly uncomfortable. Now I can't bend that way, but uh, it looks incredibly uncomfortable for everybody. They actually did flip him another way that did look slightly better. So he did have two different bent over positions. Yeah, they they kick him over and then it's like, oh man, that looks way more comfortable. Both yeah. incredibly sexual positions. They are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's there's nothing sexual about like a, a beautiful man being chained up in a room and like uh, scowled at and kicked by a bunch of elders. Okay, there's nothing sexual about that. In a tower, don't forget. In a tower. tower. Can't forget the tower. <laughs> tower is very important. But all right, so here here's the thing about this movie that's kind of uh unexpected and i didn't really re- i've seen this once before was this uh first time for both of you uh i, I think so okay yeah. yeah um so i i'd seen this once before and i didn't really pick up on this the first time but this movie is basically reverse terminator 
this is going from the past to the future instead of going from the future to the past. But it's kind of the same thing. Mm. Two guys opposing like enemies get sucked through a portal back into modern day. Mm -hmm. The good guy has to team up with kind of a ditzy waitress and the bad guy is just kind of wreaking havoc throughout. But there's always like this undercurrent of like sort of a fish out of water sort of humor mm -hmm. coming from everybody. Um, but it's it's basically just magical Terminator. I'm, and I'm not mad about I, it. I don't, but I think I don't disagree yeah. with that assessment. Yeah. I think I'm going to... So it, it's about as much of a horror movie as Terminator is, is what I would <laughs> Terminator say. Terminator is much more... Terminator is much, much scarier. scarier. Much, much, much scarier. Um, yeah, this one skews more on the silly, but I found it very pleasantly silly. I, I, felt I had like, a good time with it. I feel like there's... So I think one of the issues is, is that Julian Sands is so charismatic yeah that when you start watching this show you're rooting for him you're like no nah, he's not that bad and then he like uh he kills that uh poor man and he's like you're like oh he's not that bad oh he kills a child uh to, for flying ointment you just think you um, can fix him right? yeah no yeah. there's a, there's a yeah. sensation that you're like oh he's not you know because like back in the day in puritan times people were uh and i think that's something where this can be compared to the witch, uh, uh, or witch. I still the don't vavitch. know. The witch <laughs> uh, is that they do use a lot of. Uh, so I studied um, uh, when I was living in Scotland. I studied uh, quite a bit of uh, historical uh, witchcraft trials, mm. and like so, the historical witchcraft trials, like in the witch, uh, is like these are like the whole thing is like ointments of an unbaptized boy flat like these types of things like uh cursing people like all these like really uh to the modern sensibility very silly oh yeah the, the modern sensibility of, of like uh of what we what they at the time considered witchcraft well and what people at the time also considered witchcraft to be silly as fuck yeah. because people at the time were also like this is stupid yeah. uh, even though some people were like oh no we believe uh, but there was a huge amount of people at the time who were also like nah this is silly um, but they they often weren't the power like King James the first second uh, second I think was he the first I'll take your word for it I don't uh, know the kings um, so King James, uh, one or two, whatever uh, happens to be uh, the correct one, uh, went off on a, a bender of, uh, of witchcraft uh, prosecution uh, and uh, is sort of primarily responsible by in, in empowering a lot of people to do witchcraft trials uh, of killing like 40,000 people. Oh, um, but then later on, he saw like uh, people convinced him that witchcraft wasn't real. And so he stopped the witchcraft trials. OK. Um, All right. So somebody in power listened to reason. That's <laughs> unusual for that era. Yeah. yeah. I mean, eventually it's still better than a lot of people do. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the main plot here is that the, the, the warlock who is like explained to be the actual literal son of Satan um, is... He escapes persecution in the 1600s and he flees to modern day, which is 1988. Um, and he uh, is pursued by Redfern, and that's Richard E. Grant's character. He's kind of the good uh, uh, druid, I guess, or the, the witch hunter uh, who has been capturing him and chasing him for all this time. And so you get that nice little conflict going. And they cross paths with Cassandra with a K, played by Laurie Singer. Um, I don't, I, I don't want to pick on her, but it's just like I feel like this character is kind of the worst part of this movie so this so this is something that drives me 
crazy is that they in the 80s uh in the early 90s they they always had horror movies where they had incompetent women who didn't know how to run and they had definitely had that scene granted she was supposed to be in her 50s oh god it's not like a 50 year old could run um yeah yeah, this movie uh, has some real uh, harsh ideas of what 40-year-old women look like also. <laughs> we'll get to that, but yeah. Well, you got to be fair. They're in Los Angeles, and they're in Malibu, so they're going to be a little more strict, and they're going to be maybe in the countryside. I guess so, yeah. It's still, it's like, dude. Los Angeles in the 80s and 90s, we're talking cocaine so, chic. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm just, so we open, and with Lori Singer uh, as being this sort of, like, party girl who lives with a gay man, and, like, they actually out and say that he's gay, though they say, like, a horrible, like, like, like slur about gay people. Yeah, she um, has a line that I I was like trying to parse through my head. I'm not going to repeat it. Yeah, I'm yeah, not going to repeat you know it either. It's about. um, but it's just like so. It was nice that they showed that he was a loving friend, but also they like there was like a bunch of they queer coded the villain uh to be like sort of like a malevolent like like gigolo almost yeah, yeah. Like, no i i weirdly i actually like the depiction of a gay character in this like movie because i've seen this happen in a lot of horror movies where especially of this era where they are just made like a stereotype mm-hmm. or like a like a mincing you know like like a, a just just being very stereotypical or, or flamboyant and this is like a very reserved like normal person uh, who you feel sad about? Like, you know, he he, he feels a like a well, home. It's a beautiful home, and it feels like a very well developed character in yeah. just the little brief time that he has. And yeah, that there there's definitely that energy between he and Julian Sands when they see each other, and like that that moment in the kitchen is kind of like, oh shit, this is like, yeah. Uh, but Lori Singer, so uh, Lori Singer uh, was actually uh, a child prodigy, a musician. Uh, a, I think she was a cellist. I believe so. Um, and uh, she's the, I believe she might still be the youngest graduate of Juilliard. Oh, wow. Uh, I did not know that. So she's like um, like a badass motherfucker, uh, musically speaking, uh, before she transitioned to acting. Uh, and um, I read that she refused a lot of the prosthetics uh, that they tried to have her put on, which I think is fair enough. I'm always really it's interested fair. in um, the way they portray women aging as though somehow I there's this trope that somehow an old woman is terrifying. And it's been a thing in the I last just, couple of years. It drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. You're like, uh you're like an old oh my god an old like it's like specifically a naked old woman a naked old woman the most terrifying thing anybody can conceive of is 60 year old breasts (laughs) (laughs) that's the most frightening thing in a hollywood producer's mind like they did that in it the second uh the second episode of it uh the new one and it was just like so ridiculous and you're just like who cares like honestly you like go to hippie hollow for fuck's sake Um, yeah um no, but I, this Cassandra character, like, I feel like they just wrote her too dumb. Yeah. You know, like, I, it's a hard ask to make you sympathize with, like, kind of dumb characters when they're not supposed to be dumb. I don't know. And maybe I'm being overly harsh on it, but I just feel like no, she didn't have a lot going on. Like, she's meant to be, like, a flighty 20-year-old, like, L.A. girl, but, like, it, they overdid it to a point where, like, she's just kind of unpleasant and just mean and she she grows a little bit over the movie but yeah she's just not very fun to spend time with uh what did you think of her Kristen? yeah i don't know yeah it was kind of annoying because it it felt like she was set up or at least i felt i guess you know in the era that she could have been more 
right? Like there was this feeling like, okay, yeah, she's going to help hunt this guy and she's going to come along for this journey. And yeah, she could still be who she is. She doesn't have to be ready to be a, a, a warlock hunter. Yeah. So she doesn't have to be, uh, you know, tuned to the battles of war. She could still right. be a valley girl from L.A. Um, but yeah, they're, they they struck the level of incompetence that came out of nowhere was unnecessary, you know. Yeah. Right, felt a little mean spirited, yeah. and like compare uh, again. I'm gonna be comparing to Terminator a lot, but yeah. compare it to Linda Hamilton in the first Terminator. It's like that's that's the movie before she gets the crazy biceps and becomes like the ultimate future warrior, but she still feels competent. She feels scared. She feels confused, but she still feels competent and basically intelligent. You know, like she's dealing with the situation as best she can. And here, I feel like she's trying to be too much of the comic relief. When the real comic relief is just Redfern. Redfern, yeah. Redfern is very funny. Like, Richard E. Grant is fantastic in this movie, I think. He's really committed, and... They they hit a lot of like fish out of water jokes yeah. without going too hard on them. It's not like oh what really, is this metal I, carriage? But I was really surprised that I they didn't hit them hit, hit it hard because like I thought they were gonna hit it real hard. Like they'd hit it hard in Terminator. Yeah, um, but like I think his character is meant to be like very focused on his mission. He knows he stepped in forward in time, and then he's just like, all right, I accept this. Things are different. I'm just going to roll with it and try and kill this witch as best I can. I think that's what makes it work so well is yeah. that he's not confused about that. And like, and there's not, the joke doesn't get overplayed. I really loved actually the scene where the cops get called. Yeah. And he comes out and it's like, oh, how are they going to play this? Because it can be very like cheesy, obviously. It's like, how is he going to deal with it? And he sees the cops. Yeah. And I was like, is he going to say, what are these things? And then he's just like. He goes for the whip, and then he just like tries to whip at him. He's like, "Who are these guys?" But it was like, a, and they tase him, and, and it hurts. Him. But it was yeah. like a very. He played it so well, like yeah. it was so believable. To like, I had never seen a cop, but also not playing like someone who had never seen a cop. Right, like, it was very believable that he's like, okay, these are assailants. I can assume, yeah, and I must, I must defeat them so I can get to my goal. But it wasn't like, what are these guys? Right, exactly. There were so many moments where they could have gone for that cheap joke. And like, even when it's like when he's fascinated by the plane, it's not that he is like, oh, my God, there's a metal bird over there. Ah, it's it's that like goodly men should not fly in the air. He thought mm-hmm. it was like a form of witchcraft. And it's like, all right, this is I kind of believe that this guy would think these things. And like, yeah. I think he's really committed. I mean, he and Sands play really well off each other. Like mm-hmm. like you said, there is like a simmering tension, like a r- erotic tension between <laughs> these two that never fully goes away. But that works. I mean, I think that's great. If you follow somebody through time... <laughs> <laughs> just I'm just gonna, that's little it. thirsty. That's it. That's little, what, that's, yeah. little thirsty. Yeah. 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 Come on, buddy. Yeah. Have a little self respect. <laughs> Let him come to you. All right. He's gonna come back with his dad. His dad's really rich. He's Satan. <laughs> you know. He owns a bunch of dealerships. Uh, yeah. I mean, so it, most of the movie is Redfern and Cassandra uh, trying to chase the warlock across the country because the warlock is trying to get the three pieces of the Grand Grimoire, which is this book that will. It's like the anti Bible. And the idea is that he's going to unmake creation, which I think is I, I like that that's more specific than just saying the world will end. Is that mm-hmm. it's not that the world will end; it's that the world will have never existed, and that an entirely new one is going to be created in its place, one that's dedicated to evil. Like, 
I like the specificity of that. I, I did like the scene of being like when the he was talking to the spiritualist and the, he's like, mm, no, do better, demon. Uh, yeah. Like, um, we're negotiating and uh, I'm a witch, uh, motherfucker. Another um, really good like horny scene. Like yeah, the, the channeler a, is very. She's damn. like basically like uh, orgasming as she was channeling them and it was just was like oh my god really uh, and it was just so stupid and then I, I thought it was really fun how he's like no wait till the real Zambiel comes yeah. up uh, and then it's a little spooky. And that's um, the interesting way I think this series could have really differentiated itself from like the Freddies and the Jasons in that like the warlock is a hot man like he he has different access to different people than Fre- freddy's not going to go in and try and seduce anybody it's not going to work it's just like you got glove hands like well and i think i think this movie really could have worked if they led into uh being a little bit more uh like seductive um Anne Rice or Twilighty oh, about sure. it, just yeah, being all yeah. like, uh, because you could have set him up as this anti-villain that was really compelling. Instead, you just like they kept making him do evil, evil things instead of like compellingly evil things, like yeah, things that understandable. Like a, he could have taken a thrall, you know. Yeah. He could have had like somebody who's like worshiping him or following him. I just, yeah, I just kept getting the sense that he was doing evil things where he didn't feel evil, and I know he was evil. This is not me being like I wasn't <laughs> bewitched or anything. I just no, I yeah. felt like he was. I was like, yeah, that's a bad thing. He shouldn't do that. But I didn't feel like it was an evil guy. I just feel like he was a guy doing. E- do you know what I mean? Like this, like this yeah. villains. You're just like, it, oh, you're just. Was his con- <laughs> so his conversation yeah. with the small boy? He just seems like a friend. He's be like, wow, that's cool. This little boy is so cool, and I'm a friend. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, he killed him for his body fat. You know what I mean? It just didn't. It, it, it didn't seem yeah. like the scenes uh, followed. Um, the intent of this previous scene. You know what here's, I mean? Here's my new pitch. Warlock is Kendall Roy from Succession. All right, <laughs> he's uh, he's a flawed fail son who uh, is really you know he it's not his all it's not entirely his fault. He had a fucked up upbringing. You know, uh, you, you still sympathize with him even when he's doing evil shit. Yeah, there's something about him. I think yeah, I think that's part of the problem too. He never becomes fully monstrous either in this one or the sequel. He. Uh, Again, he kills a little boy and drinks his fat. I'm not endorsing that. <laughs> but really it is a horror saying. film. You, like, you it expect is. horrible things. Yeah. But that's for you. you brought that happens dad, off yeah. screen. Yeah, the, the, all of that stuff happens off screen. Most of the violent stuff happens off, off screen, except for the tongue biting. That was, that was, that was a good scene. Yeah. It's very Shakespearean. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, so it was so interesting. Like, so they're chasing uh, the warlock, um, and uh, because he's getting the three pieces of the Bible MacGuffin or anti-Bible MacGuffin, yeah. Um, and uh, they bring him to this uh, beautiful, beautiful fucking farm. And uh, oh yeah, the Amish farm. Like yeah. uh, Christian and I were like, look at those succulents. <laughs> they had like they, they, we paused it in this scene where they were just like the most beautiful rows of succulents, just just being like charming and beautiful with this red barn. And mm. evident, uh, I forgot. Uh, I looked up where they shot this this scene because I was like, this is so beautiful. And I think it was um, George Washington Farrell house mm. or something like that. It was um, it was in Southern California. 
no, I don't think it was. I'm not oh. sure. Yeah, uh, I don't know where they filmed this. But um, uh, and it was just like a beautiful, like uh, repurposed farmhouse uh, that uh, does pumpkin patch rides. Oh, um, and so I'm just like, it's so beautiful. Um, and I thought it was so interesting that scene because that scene's really the first. Uh, area where we start to come face to face with the terrible CGI. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is one something I wanted to address too. Uh, a lot of a lot of these special effects in like '80s horror movies have aged in a very charming way because I love practical effects. I love just like having a bunch of goop and monsters and like it's clearly a puppet, but whatever. I I, I prefer having something physically there. This is kind of like this isn't even quite CGI. This is like somebody drew on the film stock it looks like disney it looks like mary poppins yeah. is happening like he's conjuring like animation out of his hands some of the special effects are really laughable the flying looks ridiculous, ridiculous. because he's not in like a superman pose right he's like standing upright with one arm over his mouth like dracula and just like zipping along like that <laughs> which i have to say when i saw that i'm all like it makes a lot of sense why wouldn't you fly like three feet from the ground as opposed to like 150 feet yeah. if you could fall wouldn't you just rather just zip along the road yeah. and i thought that was so interesting i was like i never it never occurred to me that if i could fly like a superhero i would just fly along a road you would just be a segway height yeah basically yeah not to get the specifics of flying and how, because that's a whole no, that's a whole nother separate subject. I um, mean, you know, yeah, you have to know what muscles to flex. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The, what are the physics? Maybe it's harder to fly higher. Maybe he's just like staying low. Um, yeah, I felt like some of his, yeah, also his powers. I don't know, were not scary, and and, and yeah, because like, again, they, they're lacking specificity. Yeah, yeah. they could have. I don't know if they knew the CGA wasn't going to be there. They could have wrote it differently. So yeah. That, he just, yeah, he was, he was, he was, he was lacking. And I think one of the things that really took him down actually is when we met dad mm. through the call, or I guess dad, you know, and we got his mission. Cause then it felt like, oh, he's not the big bad. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And yeah. Like, yeah, he is, but he, you know, it, it felt like, oh, he's still in service. And so then you get stuck in the middle of like, okay, is he going to turn? And now we're going to both go against daddy or is daddy going to be, are we going to defeat him and daddy at the end? Or even right. seeing daddy at all? Or is it just like, do you know what I mean? Like before, or you could make it where he's like making a bid for the power of the throne or something. Yeah. yeah. So, so are we like, is he going to be like, Oh, he's going to really go bad. Or if there's this like, Oh, maybe this warlock is not, maybe there's some sympathy they want us to have for him. Yeah. I mean, again, this is a guy who uh, killed a child, rendered his fat, and drank it, and we're still kind of saying, like, ah, he's, like, soft. But if you're, <laughs> he's like a soft boy. If your dad was Satan. Yeah. That's like your Kool-Aid. Yeah, yeah. that's that's light. <laughs> yeah, that's not even that much. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, no, I think that is kind of a problem. Like, while it's a, it's a performance I really enjoy, and I think, like, both he and Richard E. Grant are locked in, there is sort of a lack of specific malice or direction coming out of the warlock, you know? And it's so interesting. They have this opportunity to build backstory with the story of Marianne. And they're just like, like they could have been like, oh no, he seduced her and turned her into a witch or like, or something. They just be, but they're they're like, Marianne was pure as snow. And then they just like, like drop it. I don't want to talk about it. Right. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> it was very that, silly. Yeah. yeah. It started to set up, like, and I felt like there was a scene where I thought there was going to set up that, like, in the past, maybe uh, there was a, like a triangle yeah, going like on. You know, there was like, oh, there was there's something that happened in the past between them that they're even more, you know? So it's. They were the first thruple. Yeah. yeah. They were the very <laughs> first one. Yeah. They started early. Yeah, no, there should have been a little bit more stakes about that. Like, yeah, we, we, uh, of course, it's a lifelong trope of having men be motivated by the death of their beloved yeah. to, uh, you know. Well, or by the portrayal the of their brother. It's a, better, yes. it's a better motivation than a lady who's 20 and hates the idea of aging. Now, um, okay, to be fair, all right, so she, uh, Cassandra gets this curse placed on her where she's going to age 20 years every day, which means she will die within like five days, probably. She's 20 at the start of this movie. Uh, but yeah, the depiction of the, like, it's a scary idea. I could get that. Like, not necessarily aging thing, but the dying suddenly. Do you know what does this a lot better? Hmm. Fucking Howl's Moving Castle. I was thinking of Howl's Moving Castle <laughs> a lot during this because that was kind of a problem a lot of people had with that movie where it's like you take it like a, a sprightly, energetic, young heroine and then you make her very old and very slow for most of the movie. And this movie doesn't quite go that far. They make her... She gets up to like 60. Yeah. With very silly looking makeup. Uh, the the 40-year-old makeup just like they make her hair like six feet longer. It's dragging on the floor and she has like a pimple and looks a little pale. Yeah, and she has the audacity of having brown hair. Oh. The self-respect. It is the greatest sin a woman in the 80s could commit. Yes, yes. Otherwise, she's rocking the uh, Daryl Hannah and Blade Runner kind of look. The most like, well, of the she's got the silver skirt and like, uh, and I thought it was so interesting that they uh, neither one of the men commented on her clothing the entire time. And I can't decide whether or not that's something that I like or like, wouldn't you be like, dude, where's your clothes? <laughs> like if you came from Puritan times. Because Redfern was a little judgy with her about like wearing makeup. Yeah. That was about the only thing he pointed out, though. Like, yeah, her ass is hanging out of a lot lot of these skirts and I'm not complaining or anything I'm just saying like he, he should notice something like that I do kind of like that they they don't get too hung up on that like the warlock never really feels like he's hung yeah. up by anything um, he's kind of just fascinated by everything but uh, but Redfern gets confused occasionally on how to enter a car or something like that uh, but that's really about it and they're like uh, um, and it's like did she not turn the radio on the entire time they were driving? Yeah, uh, right. Uh, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't believe that they had gotten through that much of a road trip, and then they just. I mean, I. I can, but also I. I. I, I find it hard to believe at no point that they're like, oh, let's turn on the radio real quickly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like that they even drop in little lines to indicate that he is actually smart. Like she says, you know, the earth is round, right? And he's like, for several years now. Yes. Like, that's that kind of I funny. I kind of like that. He's like, yeah, you're, you're trying to big dog me and you can't do it. I definitely enjoyed that because I think there is, especially there is this idea uh, that because of where we are, we know so much. Right. Um, and I think this like this idea of we meet some of the past, we're like, oh, think of how smart we are. And there's a lot of information like that. They're like, no, that's long and widely been known and decided upon this is not a frequent thing but i think yeah this idea this wanting to show off to the people in the past like guess what happened here that yeah we, like feeling like we know so much more i mean we do but 
Right. Uh, but I, I think, honestly, we'd be surprised like how much the average person does not. And that's what helps make Redfern still feel kind of high status, even though he is in the fish out of water position. Like she even says, like she turns on the radio. She's like, no, there's not little people in there. And he's like, yes, I know that. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, you know, so he's even by like the regular primitive jokes, he's not. Well, and he knows so much about his own wheelhouse. Like, he knows about how to capture a witch, Mm. uh, how to put on those kinky thumb toe uh, uh, restraints, um, how to um, nail... Uh, he's barefoot. The the warlock Warlock is barefoot. The warlock is barefoot the entire freaking series oh, hang on. i just got a message oh quentin tarantino just said this is his favorite movie <laughs> of all time interesting okay uh yes yeah yeah no they i i do like the procedure of all of the witchy stuff that they're doing like he's very specific in all his actions he's got a little compass that he balances on a book that like will tell you where the warlock is like he know he has a specific practice like he's a member of csi or something and he's just like this is how i find witches uh, and that that kind of stuff is fun. I like that it, they don't even really bother explaining it to us. We just understand that he knows what this means. Yeah. And so back when they get to the the farmhouse and uh, like they use the weather vane as a spear to make the shot, the, the shot of the century. <laughs> what a ridiculous shot. <laughs> to stab him in the back while he's flying. That was an Olympic javelin throw. There's yes. And then he misses all the other ones, which seemed a lot more realistic. Like that like, was the hard one to hit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then we hit him like from the back. Yeah, and listen, I'm not gonna replay it and go back and forth, but that there was no way it would have to curve. Yeah, yeah, this is like the new magic bullet theory. <laughs> like I think, I think, uh, I think there was a third shooter on the grassy knoll. Uh, there was a third weather vane thrower. That scene in particular is where the special effects are really creaking, you know, like because it's clear that Julian Sands is just in like a cherry picker and they're dragging Richard E. Grant behind him <laughs> through a field and they're keeping the camera just close. It's like you're clearly on a truck, dude. We don't I don't know what to tell you. Like this is I'm not this is campy and this is funny, but I'm not buying it. Uh, yeah. So I definitely suffered from having like this kind of low budget. But I don't know, man. I kind of got on board with this movie. I thought it was pretty fun. I it was so fun. Yeah. Um, I laughed my ass off on a number of occasions. Uh, and I also, like, he's just so charming. Yeah. Or everyone is so charming, except for, so I think Laurie Singer is very pretty. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she has her moments, but I feel like her plot, her part is the least written. If they had written her as a strong like stronger lady but i do think it's really funny that she gets like cock block at the end where she's just like yeah. kiss me kiss me and he kisses her on her eyes and he's like whirls away to his death his tomb because he's not like i could kiss you or i could fucking die peace out boom uh, yeah that's the thing i was not buying any kind of romantic tension between those two like yeah. i didn't think it was going in that direction because they didn't they seem made to have her that vibe for him at the last possible minute well of course the eye kisses oh, i was thinking it was the coyote pelts but either way yeah, yeah, he's 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 rocking. Well, coyote had to smell they, after all they them through. They <laughs> didn't try to change either one of their clothes the entire time. No, and everyone was just like, "I'm fine with it. I'm fine with you walking through a 1989 uh, air um, airport without shoes on." Yeah, just right up to the gate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, they've they've got all kinds of weird details, like him salting the leather and then drooling all over it in the but he car. Did, like, never did anything with that. Like, I mean, well, we that's how we established that salt kills yeah, the warlock, true. you know. But like, still, and like, he did, yeah, he had the whip. He didn't yeah. get any good shots on it, but he he didn't, he didn't hit with the whip though. No. But again, we spent so much time but like watching this he, guy like lick and salt the whip, this, and then they flew, and then they he was like. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, and that's the problem. So I did enjoy it, but I did feel like there was maybe one or two like scenes drawn out too long in the chase, where I felt like oh, there yeah. was just like I was like, ah, we could have. Okay, we could have. We, we got it. We're chasing them. We could have. We could have got there and just like one or two more less steps. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's it's definitely like a a minor recommend for me. Like, it's not like this is not a drop everything and go watch this movie kind of movie. But it's you know it's a fun. Uh, uh, I I call them laundry movies mostly, but like it's a fun like doing laundry movie. It's a fun background film, you know, because you don't need to pay super close attention to pick up the gist of it, and you get some really fun performances. You get some campy bad special effects. And uh, there, no, there's there's a couple of solid moments in this movie. Um, are we ready to talk about the game? I believe we are. All right, let's move on to Warlock the Game, which was released May 26, 1995, way after this game or the movie was made. It was developed by Real Time Associates, published by Acclaim, and it's available on Super NES and Genesis. Now, I will say it's a testament to this film's kind of slow-growing VHS cult success that this would have a game that much longer after the movie came out. This is even two years after the sequel. So it's not really even in the zeitgeist at this point. And I would say the game kind of combines plot elements of both movies. Cause the, the, the MacGuffin in the second movie are the five or six rune stones that he needs to bring about the Armageddon. And that's your collectible in this game. Um, and your character is kind of coded to be like a red fern type, but he's not, expressly named i think they just refer to him as the druid and uh, but he, he doesn't resemble any of the characters in the second movie either so i think that's who he's supposed to be i think it's so funny that we talk about um so like in warlock he wants to unmake the world yes in warlock 2 he wants armageddon and like in the vich all the, all the devils offer is a, a taste of butter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's slightly smaller stakes. Yeah, that baby got ground up for some butter. Um, yeah, no, and, and, and again, it's just like, I liked the specificity and the imagination of unmaking the world. And then the second one's just like, oh, yeah, he's ending the world. You know, it's, it's back to that. Like, we're not going to bother too much with what this is because he's obviously not going to succeed. Uh, but this game is a side-scrolling platformer, an action platformer game. It kind of moves sort of like the cinematic action games of the time. If people are familiar with Flashback or um, uh, Another World, it's it's got kind of like this slightly delayed, like they, they put like more pixels in there than they need so they can get some more accurate like cinematic movement, but it makes things a little stiffer, a little slower than like a Mario game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was getting a little bit of that. But you're playing as like a druid uh, and you have a basic lightning attack and then you have a couple of spells. And once again, we're learning like with games of this era, if we don't have the manual, we're just going to be so confused for so much of what's going on. Like You have an orb. Uh, you have an orb. And we were like, we played this game like for a good amount of time, but we didn't find out until later that you could throw the orb to up to get potions. Yes. Uh, and we're like, God damn it. No, we were having that frustration because uh, uh, Christian, especially, we came by that that one little ruin that had a potion sitting on top, and you were getting frustrated trying to get it down. 
there's no way to jump up that high. Yeah, I, I'm like to the point in playing any video game that if I see an item that you're supposed to get or be able to get, I, then, I, then I, I obsess over it. I'm like, right. I, I, well, I know I should be able to get up there. And uh, this game, um, since you don't know anything, you just like... I, there is no key. You have, you should be assumed that you have all the tools that you need to get said item. Right. Um, yeah. Except, you know, without the information. But so there's, yeah, there's no in-game tutorial you, or anything indicating there, yeah. that. So like, if you um, don't have the manual where you're screwed and it's not like in modern games where you can like, you can assume that you're going to backtrack, you know, you're going to come back later with a power that'll help you access this thing. Like you can't, you're not going to come back in this game. So like, yeah, it would yeah, be nice to know. Uh, they had the system of passwords, which uh, I, I don't think we've played a game with the password system. Yeah, I don't know um, if we have. Maybe Roger Rabbit had it, but we obviously need to save our progress in that one. You know, we need to memorialize game of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I always hate password systems. I know they were a necessary evil of the time, but uh, yeah, yeah, I used to have like notebooks full of these little obscure codes that I would have to try and remember what they were. The ones in this one were like, I think they were trying to code like rock bands in there because I was looking at a list of all the different codes and one of them was like N-R-V-A-N-A or something like that. Like uh, there was a Bruce Springsteen looking one. There was a Billy Joel looking one. I'm like, all right, I think they're just trying to do bands. I would not be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of like Gen Xers. For fun. Yeah. yeah. Just why not? I mean. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Gen Xers who still care about rock music. Yeah. Which is uh, <laughs> not a thing that exists anymore. Um, yeah. So it's it's a pretty standard game. I like the, uh, the Warlock is kind of persistent throughout the game. It's not like he's just like one mini boss. He's kind of just popping in to torment you every once in a while. I like that. And yeah. I, they clearly got the rights to um, do Julian Sands. Yeah, yeah. His his face appears when you die, and you get a little voice clip of him calling you either a fool or a fool's or you lose. We couldn't quite make out what exactly he was saying. And then the other one he said is that the best you can do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that one was clear enough. They clearly put a lot of time into animating his hair blowing. <laughs> they made so much time into they got that animating right. his hair. He's got an incredible head of hair in that second movie in particular because it's like fully receding but also still very long and very like he flowy. looks like draco malfoy's he's father <laughs> very much like a malfoy yeah he's a malfoy cousin or something like that yeah it's definitely his look they they upgrade his look in the second movie too with like they give him a suit they give him like an armani suit with yeah. a turtleneck which was like the very 90s look that's it no he is definitely a malfoy like that yeah that that just no the, the, exactly the type it. of magic he's doing like he's evil but obviously he's doing evil things but i'm like I feel like you're scary like I feel like you could be defeated yeah you just doing evil stuff like I don't you're not the big yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a perfect yeah. I want to confront JK Rowling about this issue and no other issues <laughs> yeah no <laughs> other than that I have no problem with her uh, but uh, she clearly ripped off something from Warlock 1989 and I'm upset um, no yeah so like I, I like that he's kind of this persistent antagonist like well he'll show up and he'll just like blow out a bridge or he'll animate a bunch of hedge animals to attack you shoot some lightning at you he'll shoot some lightning so like yeah I thought the villains they're, they're definitely a varied amount of uh, villains in this uh, animated gargoyles yeah. little dragons ghosty things that shoot ectoplasm yeah uh, the ever present bats that seems like I think maybe Man. five game 
games we've played so far this year have had like malevolent bats. Yeah, 80s and 90s video game developers hated bats so much. I think there were a fear though. I think I think there had to have been something going wrong with bats at that time. I think there was a heightened fear around bats. I wouldn't there, be surprised. There was a, I think there was a uh, like a scare about rabies. Yeah. Uh, but I have no idea if that was like a craze or or what. But then. I vaguely remember a guy um, dressing up as a bat and fighting crime That's sometimes. Oh. That was kind of a scourge, I remember, for a bit. Yeah. People, I, I always felt he was a hero, but some people also labeled him Also homoerotic. Uh, Deeply homoerotic. We're going to get to those. What? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, it's it's a pretty basic platformer, but weirdly, we got farther in this game than in most of the ones we played, and this was not a super it, easy game. It wasn't a super easy game, but it was definitely, like, we got quite a far, quite far in it, and it was definitely um uh it never felt too difficult it never felt uh, oppressively difficult um we were cracking along at a good pace yeah once we figured out how we could use our spells to like kind of heal ourselves a little bit or give ourselves a little lightning shield something like that like because your basic bolt attack doesn't really do much um your your enemies are generally pretty strong even like the kind of basic like walking around enemies um, but yeah, there were some like light boss fights and things like that, but nothing too oppressive. You know, I feel like this is a game that you, it's, it's old school hard, but it's beatable. Yeah. Yeah. I think you yeah. can go through it. And, and, and even, I think I'll say it's even more forgetting, forgiving than a lot of old school hard in, in the combat system. I think you could take quite a few hits and heal and be yeah. okay. Like we got pretty far without really employing the role and kind of dodging uh, the hits. I think we were doing a lot of just like tit for tat, just kind of shooting at each other. Right. Um, what, you know, not a lot, not, you know, not a lot of skilled playing, but to get that far with being able to just kind of hop in, I think that's great. Cause I think uh, sometimes in those games, uh, you get like two hits and it's you're you're done. Dead. You got to restart. And I and I was yeah. surprised that it was like, oh, okay, we have a little bit more than that. And that's there was the health system was so weird. Instead of having hearts, you had like this face, and then you sort of became a skull by how many right. times you got hit. So there was never any way to know for sure, like how many hits that you had left. Yeah, that's classic like mid '90s video game. That's like the Doom guy getting bloodier and bloodier as he as he uh, his health gets lower. Like, that's a very classic thing. But yeah, I would say it was like, it was fairly generous. It was probably like seven or eight hits before you turn into a fully flayed skull. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, something like that. So it's it's little things like that that kind of make things workable in a game like this. You know, look, this is not ambitious. This is not a terribly original or like particularly great game. But I had a solid enough time with this one. I like this could have been a disaster. I think that's the secret. It's a solid. It is a very stiff game. Yeah. It was very stiff. Um, but um, considering some of the crap that we played. Of Especially this. for something coming like two years after the property had left the zeitgeist. Like nobody was really like clamoring for a warlock anything good music too it's solid music yeah solid, solid music. like little haunted housey kind of jazzy music you know and, yeah and it has very little to do with the subject matter you know like in terms of like it's not following the plot of any of the movies that i know of unless that third one goes really weird but <laughs> um but yeah uh it's like gothy side scroller yeah just 
just goffy vibes. You, know, you really don't even need a story. I mean, you see there yeah. there is story happening. You know, there's like scroll you can read, but it's like eh. you get a little animation every time you get a stone, and it makes it fly around looking like a cereal piece. <laughs> it looks like you're hungry. decapitated as you celebrate. Ugh. Yeah, you're doing like a praise the sun kind of gesture where you're like leaning your head all the way back, and it just looks like his head fell off. It looked like a Mortal Kombat animation. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's about it about Warlock. Did you yeah. guys have any other takes on that one? We're good to move on to our rankings. I think we're good to move on to our rankings. All right. Well, each week we are ranking the games and the movies that we just watched on a scale from a good movie, good game to bad movie, bad game. Uh, where are we falling on Warlock? How about you, Javen? Oh, this is difficult. I think because I don't want to use the word good. Yeah. In either sense. Uh, I think it's an okay movie uh, with entertaining aspects and an okay game with entertaining aspects. Uh, yeah. But I, I especially um, compared to something as much as I loved um, uh, Adam's Family, like, or like a couple of the other games that I loved, um, I, I, I just don't know. I, I think it's okay. I'm going to say okay. That's the thing. It's like I, you know, on the structures of our scale, I want to say it's a good movie, good game, but it's kind of like the barest possible minimum over the bar for both the bar- of them. Well, I, and I feel like, we're, like we've got a bit of Stockholm Syndrome going on. A little bit, yeah. I mean, we've been playing some bad ones. Uh, well, no, we're coming off of uh, we're coming off a good, decent enough run. But yeah, we've played a lot of bad ones. We have. Uh, and this one was just slightly more competent and slightly more fun. Both of them were, like the movie and the game, were just slightly more competent and more fun than they needed to be. So it's it's I'm giving it kind of the dummy prize. These are not neither of these are drop everything and go watch this slash play this, you know, but it's like, hey, if you got free time, want to check it out. It's probably fine. Uh, Christian, where do you fall? Yeah, I, I don't know. Thank you. I think the word that comes to my mind was fine. Yeah, fine. Like, fine I, I wasn't offended. No. Um, I, I like I can go for an inoffensive game. Uh especially in the style i think that you come across this movie and or game yeah uh is 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 uh probably the the factor that will determine how you feel about it i mean casually watching casually playing is is fun i I mean if you saved up a whole bunch of money and your time to do it you might be a little disappointed but i think yeah uh for what it was like okay from working with the budget and then coming out with the game that much longer you know later i hey they could have done worse. They could have easily done worse. They really could. Yeah. We've um, we've seen better movies get worse treatment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what did you think of the movie? I, it wasn't good, but I want to say I liked it. I, I think that's sort of where I fall too. I like. I'm not going to say this is a great movie or anything, but it's pretty fun. I liked it's it as well. I was I was entertained, and it's yeah. really it's one of those movies that I think it's like so. Um, it, there's a, a hidden gemness to it that watching it with friends makes it so much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just campy enough uh, without being stupid, and it's just like kind of savvy enough to to be entertaining. It's got a slick production. It, the the special effects suffer a bit, but you know, it's it, it's a decent time. It's a decent old time. Well, uh, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Christian, so much for coming here and for talking about Warlock with us. Of course, oh, we are so happy to have you. Finally, we've been bugging you to be on the show for so long. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, I'm glad I can demand. make it out. Uh, next week we are going to be concluding our month of horror, and I'm excited to get into this one. Uh, uh, a movie that I think is going to split us a little bit. A game that's probably going to split us a little bit because we're going to be talking about 
the Blair Witch Project. Oh with, God, that's you're right. Make me watch the Blair Witch. Project oh, again. oh boy. Okay. Oh, all right. We're gonna have a take already. Um, oh. I'll, I'll reserve my take for this time. But yeah, all right. I'm I'm excited to get into it. Blair Witch Project, a uh, recent game, I think from 2019, something like that, that I have not played yet, um, and a movie I've seen 30 times. So I'm excited to get into this. Um, so we will see you next month for Spooky Spooky Blair Witch. Don't go in the woods, or do. We're going to be there. Next week. Next week. Wait. Did I say next month? <laughs> yeah, you did say Oh, next I, month. I know words. I know things. I know uh, eras of time. I did just time travel from 1691, <laughs> so I'm a little jet lagged. All right, everyone. We will see you later. Bye-bye. 